0: Family Church, family.
1: What he's doing. He knows exactly how to bring us out. He knows exactly how to keep us through. He knows exactly how to build us up in the midst of it. He knows exactly what he's doing. And God had spoken to me a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I am looking for empty vessels. That's all I'm looking for, empty vessels. Vessels that are willing to come to me and to be filled up which means I think in my discernment that He's getting ready for revival because He is going to pour out His Spirit in those empty vessels. I see a stirring of that. I see a hunger of that. I see young men and young women every, almost every day that are hungry to see God move in their life. They're hungry to be identified with something more than this world. They're hungry and they're thirsty. I just want to be able to be used by God in such a way that when they come to me, I can give them an answer. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me, speaking of an answer, to Joshua chapter 8 and verse 1. Continuing on with our Bible study calling Crossing Over. Talking about what it takes to move from from fear to faith. From doubt and uncertainty to a a standing still knowing that He is God. Joshua 8 and 1 as you are turning there. A couple of announcements. Don't forget, ladies, uh, it's still coming up hot and heavy they're they're stirred up and they're ready to go. So September the 18th, be ready for that. If you have not given information or if you know of someone and you have their info that uh, we can telemarket, I mean that, that we can invite to the ladies ministry. Now I know that they would love, love, love to have them, so please just get with Sandra or put that information there on that uh flyer over there, the sign-up sheet. There's also flyers that if you want to take some and give them out to somebody. Uh, if you have any questions, make sure you you hit Sister Sandra up. We appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. And um, So just be prepared for that. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in that. I really am. Really, really am. Also, uh, Children's Church will be going back again next Sunday. It is that time again. We are in the works for all parents. I know things are Things are kind of weird and crazy right now, still with maybe a little bit of COVID, okay, a lot of of COVID that is going around, and I know everybody's like, oh no, what do we do? How do we do it? Well, we're going to keep serving God, and we're going to keep feeding a sheep. That's what we're going to do. So uh, we are going to be in the very near future expanding our children's ministry and doing a little more, but right now, we're going to get that foundation of the first of every month. Sunday, We're going to get Children's Church going that way. Kiddos, are y'all ready? I see a... All right, We're, they're ready for that. All right, so that is next Sunday. I think that's about all this I'm going to announce today. Joshua chapter 8 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Have y'all noticed a common theme at the beginning of Joshua? If not, go back and read again. Where You read three times this almost the same phrase. And then here we have again, Joshua 8 and 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to A, and see that I have given into your hand the king of A, his people, his city, and his land. Today we're going to talk about defeating discouragement, defeating discouragement. Father God, we need you as we've already said and proclaimed, but I want to thank you Lord, Because where you're needed, oh God, that's often where you love to work. So right here in our need, right here in our our reaching in faith, right here in our upward looking to you being our answer, we pray just as you spoke to Joshua and brought encouragement, just as you spoke a word that dispelled the darkness, just as you created in him... An atmosphere of courage. Create in us. Create in us through the power of Your Word. Create in us. Fill up the void and the darkness with Your Word. Create in us a spirit of encouragement. A spirit that shall not be dismayed, but continue to do the work You called us to do. Spirit of the living God, speak through whatever it is that I have to say today. Let it not be about me or my ability. Let it be about exactly what you want done. God, just let me be a mouthpiece today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen? Amen. Not... Too many years ago, as part of my ministerial duty of working with hospice, I got the wonderful, didn't seem wonderful at first, but the wonderful privilege of going into many, many nursing homes. Um, most of the time, a nursing home is a place that a lot of us want to avoid. Don't look at me like that. Some of y'all say amen. Amen. All right, it's a place that we want to drive by and think, oh, I hope I never have to. Yeah, right. (laughs) But it was a place I actually found myself in going a lot and a lot more than I ever really originally thought I would be doing it. And as I went to nursing home after nursing home after nursing home, and I would see a lot of things going on that would cause me to question and cause me to think, is this, am I doing any good? (laughs) It seemed like sometimes when I was ministering to people that were there that really didn't even know I was there, really couldn't even comprehend what was going on. Oh, I got to witness all kinds of stuff. All kinds of things I got to see. I, I'll, I'll never forget sitting down with a lady that I'm supposed to be ministering to. And she, and after I get through praying with her and, and talking with her just a little bit, it, it wasn't her fault, but just bless her heart, she looked up at me and she smiled and then she looked down at her tray of food and she grabbed the green beans and she dipped it in the mashed potatoes and then she rubbed it on my face. <laughs> There were times whenever I would walk into somebody's room and say, "Hey, I'm here for you. I'm the chaplain. I'm here for you. Can I do anything for you?" And all I got was, "Yeah, (laughs) I'm gone." There were times. There was one man in particular um, had been in a state of quite literal, almost vegetation, for over a year. Just being fed by a feeding tube and just existing there. And I remember going into that room and, and, and maybe y'all are, are, are better at this than I was. But man, I remember the first time going into his room and thinking, what am I doing here? I mean, what can I do? What can I say? I mean, Lord knows I could start singing. That might get him up right what what do i how do i handle this moment and not only that but you got the nurses that are coming in and out and the CNA is coming in and out and you got stuff happening you got other residents that are walking by and listening so it's just really an awkward weird situation can i just be honest with you i try not to be anything else but and so i remembered you know the first two or three times praying for him it was just a little, a little different, a little weird. It, it, it really was. And then I remember, I remember one time praying with him, praying for him. And, and I remember just feeling led to, to read the, the Easter story over him. And as I did, and I read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, tears began to roll out of, his face, out of his eyes and down his cheeks and soaking his pillow. And I began to wonder... Ah, maybe you are at work. Maybe you are at work. And the, the next next stop, the next place that I went into and trying to figure out, God, is what we're doing, is it, is it really making a difference? Is it really working? And there was a lady who, I'll never forget that look on her face that she had this, and she, this lady is one of those that was well known for going around the entire nursing home and grocery shopping in everybody else's room. And she wheeled up to me. Actually, it was kind of heeled up to me. You know what I'm talking about? They take their heels and they just kind of grab. And she saw me from across the room, and it was one of them, she's coming for me. And there was part of me that was like, uh-oh, i got to hide somewhere. And whenever she came for me, she finally got up close to me. She looked at me literally like this. Although she didn't have any teeth, so her her bottom lip was more closer to her nose. And when she looked at me, she said, I know why you're here. I thought I was in trouble. I really did. She pointed at me. She said, you're here. Because God wants us to remember that he hadn't forgotten about us. Then she turned and she wheeled off talking about being in a situation where I was like, I didn't really know what to do. But before that, I think that was maybe God's way of using whoever it is he wants to use at the time in which he wants to use them. Before that, I was really discouraged. I was kind of in a at, at a, at a point in the ministry, I kind of just kind of felt like I was in a rut, I was in a, in a funk, it was just kind of... Felt like I was going through the motions and wondering, is this really doing anything? Am I really doing anything? And here this lady wheels up to me, points that bony finger (laughs) and says, we know that God has not forgotten about us. And that was the same place when I sat down and I got to minister to another lady. She she was, she was very lucid, even though her body was broken, but she was lucid, and she came, or she talked to me after I spoke with her, and she says, I want to pray for you. And I said, please do, I'll take it. Even though her arm couldn't stretch that far, her voice penetrated, and when she prayed, she said, I want to pray that someone like you is always around you when you need it, like you've been around us. Then I thought, okay, maybe maybe this whole feeling of doing something important, maybe it this, this whole getting past and breaking the chains, thank you for seeing that, of discouragement, maybe there really is more to it than just what we see or what we feel. Maybe there really is, because the bottom line is, whether we are in it now facing discouragement or maybe some of us have just come out of discouragement and you're feeling okay today or we're realizing that maybe you're on your way to having to face it again. We're all, none of us, not a single one of us is a stranger to having to face discouragement. We've all faced that, especially during such times Like this. And what does that have to do with crossing over? Well, that's where we want to pick up here with Joshua's story. And the crazy thing about Joshua's story that we are reading here is that he's already crossed over. He's already gotten past the the overflowing Jordan River. He's already gotten his first victory under his belt. The walls of Jericho, he has just witnessed a falling down of a fortress at the mere sound of a praise. He has witnessed God pull out a a victory that even as a military commander, he looks at and goes, wow. Aren't you glad God is in the wowing business? When was the last time you were wowed by God? He had just come through all of this. Rahab has just joined into the band and she's thinking, wow, I'm jumping in to a victorious, a victory living people serving a victorious God. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be good. And they come to a little smaller city by the name of ai And as they come to this, he sends scouts over into the city. The scouts come back and say, this is no big deal. We've already seen this huge victory by God. We got this handled. It's no big deal at all. And just about the time Joshua could take a deep breath and go, "Ah, finally, we've crossed over, something happens. How many of you know the story? Something happened. Something unexpected. Something crazy. something Something happens because there was some underlying spiritual warfare going on. Joshua didn't know anything about until later. Joshua, you know the story. Joshua says, let's go get them boys. And as he says, let's go get them boys. The chapter right before this says that They were defeated. And Joshua took took a step back and began to scratch his head and think, wait a minute, we just conquered. How can we lose this one now? We're already into the promised land. We've already crossed over. What's going on? The Bible says he tore his clothes before God. In that day, in the Bible days, when you read, they tore their clothes. That was a serious thing. That was saying, God, what is going on here? Literally saying, I'm at the end of my rope. What's happening here? I don't get it. Now, I know none of you have done that, but there have been times in my life where I was so just frustrated. I thought, God, what is happening? I just saw you win here, and now I'm experiencing a loss here. What is happening? I don't get it. I was just wiped on the face with mashed potatoes here, but over here I got a lady pointing her bony bony finger in my face and saying it's all okay. God, I'm somewhere in between. What is happening? But what happens is when those things begin to surface and those things begin to happen and we begin to go through those things we get if we're not careful a bit discouraged and when we get discouraged we begin to allow our mind and our faith be locked down strapped again in chains and bondage from which God just spent 40 years dealing with us about The first question then we have is, well, how, who, who in the Bible faced great discouragement? I want to go there and I, I want to learn about their life and try to figure out how we're going to get through all of this. Maybe Joshua to himself was thinking, well, how did Moses deal with this? And really, that may be our first question, but our our bigger question actually should be this. The real question should be, who in the Bible didn't face great discouragement? Who in the Bible that God used to do great things? And who in the Bible that God walked with and talked with and, 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 and used to build His kingdom and walk His will and His purpose out, who who didn't face great discouragement? In fact, I would probably say most of the people that you read about in the Bible and you look up to as people, men and women of faith, most of them, if not all of them, faced discouragement in some form or fashion. Most of you who'd say, my favorite Bible character is such and such. But they all faced it somewhere. Elijah, just seeing God fall from heaven. Elijah just taking out his sword and whipping some, some tail end, if you will, of the prophets of Baal. Taking care of business, thinking, yep, we've won now. And then next thing you know, he goes to the next convenience store to buy himself, as Danny would say, a soda pop and a biscuit. Sausage biscuit. right? And as he goes to the convenience store, he sees a big wanted poster on the front, and it has a picture of his face. And it says, wanted, dead or alive, big reward. Where the queen of the land, one of the most powerful people in the area says, by the end of this day, I will have his head. So Elijah hides. (laughs) He takes off towards a, a brook and then eventually a cave. Discouraged. Depressed even. David. David thinking, all right, I slew my giant. Now i got to go through all of this where King Saul is against me. Nehemiah who is just trying to build the house of God again. And yet he is under such pressure and stress he is literally putting stones on a wall with his hand and slinging a sword with his hand. You would think, just, just setting out to do the work of God, you would think it would, should be smooth sailing, right? That's the way it should be. God is on our side. His favor is with us. Nehemiah has already seen the favor of God play out over and over again. And as he takes that favor into this broken down kingdom, and he says, let's start working this out, Next thing you know, enemies of jealousy start coming in and they start fighting. I wish I had time to go into what jealousy will do. Mary, who has been released by a control of demons in her life, sees her Savior die on a cross and be buried in a grave Paul and Silas again we're just trying to do what God's told us to do and they find themselves in a jail cell Joseph all I did was say what my dream was (laughs) and you threw me in a pit lied to our dad Next thing I know, I'm lied on again. Next thing I know, I'm in a jail. It's okay though, it's okay. Because I already helped somebody out in jail and they promised they were going to help me out and I'm still waiting. John, the beloved disciple closest to Jesus finds himself exiled on an island Left for dead. Job, I was just minding my own business and this whirlwind took over. Y'all ever felt like you've been caught in a whirlwind? Look at society right now. It is such a whirlwind for sure. And it makes me wonder did Jesus Himself ever face discouragement? some of you may be trying to cheat and you might want to say my favorite character is Jesus you can get some brownie points by saying that but even if you say that you still have to think did Jesus face discouragement And you go and you read Luke chapter 19, we're not going to take time to go there, but you could look for yourself. And in Luke chapter 19 and Mark chapter 14, he has the very discouraging moment. There were actually more, but these are two really big ones. Luke chapter 19 is where he had just come to the triumphal entry. I mean, people were praising Him and singing glory to Him and saying, you are the man. You're it. You're the one we're looking for. We put you on a pedestal. And oh, how high that pedestal was for a day. And the higher the pedestal, the farther the... When they tell, when the, when the religious leaders come out and say, Make them shut up. They're disturbing our church service. And Jesus says, you're missing the point. It was not long after that that the Bible says in Luke 19 that He wept over all of Jerusalem. Imagine putting yourself in Jesus' flip-flops. Imagine... You are pouring your life out, your heart out. You don't even really have a home. You don't even really have a place to sleep. You've been pouring out your entire life to show this group of people that you are the Son of God. And what do they say? Shut up. No wonder why Jesus is like, oh, what more can I do? That's why in Mark chapter 14 we read Him in the garden and He says quite literally, I am at the point of sorrowful death. So did Jesus face discouragement? Yeah. Maybe not the same way we face it, but yeah. The discouragement was there. And discouragement is sometimes like someone pulling the... The, a, a thick dark heavy curtain over the room and just make just just darkening out the whole room so that you have a hard time seeing anything and that's where you got to be really careful cuz I don't know about you but when I walk in a dark room even if it's our own bedroom at night cuz I'm getting old and sometimes in the middle of the dark night things have to happen right I still tiptoe lightly. Why? Because there are booby traps on our floor. What used to be Legos and toys, and I thought, ah, I'm past that stage. I don't have to step on a Lego anymore or a Hot Wheel. If you've never stepped on a Hot Wheel at 3 o'clock in the morning with bare feet, You've never had your salvation tested. It will make things come out of you you didn't know was down in there. And just about the time I thought, I'm over that, now we have dog toys. These little, sharp, plastic bones that's been half gnawed on that are turned over perfectly. Perfectly. For you to step on it. And I praise Jesus that he allowed me the, 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 the ability to snore like a freight train. Because that made my wife go get earplugs. So now I don't have to tell my wife I am sorry for the things that I said in the middle of the night when I step on the toy that was made to please our dogs. And that is like what happens when when discouragement comes in and we're afraid to walk anywhere and anywhere we walk, there are these traps that cause hurt and they cause pain. I make light of it, but quite literally, when discouragement comes, we grope, try to find any way at all to get where we need to go to take care of what we need to take care of. And this veil, this curtain, covers us and causes darkness. And it makes us, fi- makes us think, this is it, this is all the hope, this is the truth, this is where we are, this is what we call reality. Some of us are optimists, some of us are pessimists, some of us are what we call realists. How many of y'all would consider yourself a realist? And that's great. But it's what we have to be careful in being a realist is that we will take that darkness and we will begin to see no hope at all because our focus is on only how really dark it is. And I wonder, is there hope in there? Is there anywhere where there's hope in that dark room? Hope. Hope. Has now been replaced with uncertainty and confusion, and they've come together to do nothing but breed fear and doubt. Is there any hope at all? I'm glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. Hebrews 6, 17-20 says, Thus, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability or the, uh, the, the unchangeableness of Him, of His counsel, and confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. And this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the curtain. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What this is saying is that there is this veil between hope and us. And that veil, that veil of reality is dark and it is confusing and it's messed up at times. It's discouraging if we will allow it to be. And you wonder, is there any hope beyond that? Is there any way to break that veil and let light in? And Jesus is saying, yeah, there's hope. There's hope by an unchangeable power. There's hope by an unchangeable factor that when I gave my oath, when I gave my word to the fullest, and I said, it is finished, and I gave up the ghost, the veil, the curtain between hope and humanity split from top to bottom, allowing a way to be made. Where Jesus said, I go to minister for you and I also tell you in Hebrews 4 that I invite you to come and not just be ministered for, but to be ministered to. Because Hebrews 4 says that it is, it is an, there's an invitation for you to approach the throne of grace boldly. Why? It says to find help find grace and mercy to give you help. To give you hope in a time of need. And it is in that moment of ministry that the Spirit then begins to cultivate a fruit in you called courage. Courage to even pull down strongholds. Or courage to even break chains. And this is where we saw Joshua. Where Joshua is thinking... Lord, I'm doing everything I can to to, to do what You've told me to do. And here, I face this this defeat, and it was an embarrassing defeat at that. What do we do now? There are certainly opportunities in this world now to look at it and go, God, I've been praying, and I'm just wondering, what's going on? I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. I don't know what's happening. But I'm praying. I'm seeking and I'm trying. And yet, I'm still a little bit discouraged because I don't see what I thought I would have seen. In fact, that is the definition of discouragement. The definition of discouragement is a loss where we deal with dispiritedness or disheartenedness, often coming because of a struggle or a failure or even repeated failures, or we realize that something is harder than we thought it would be, or we just haven't seen what we thought we wanted to see. And because of that, it's like, God, what more do I do? And how do I do it? Discourage is actually two words broken down. And what it means is that something has come in to cut you or separate courage from you. Something has come in to try to separate you from a source of courage. And it's during this time that we realize that that is where Christ has invited us to be ministered to. And not just ministered for but to be ministered to where we have an opportunity to open ourselves up to Him so that He can pour into us from a source and a connection that we so desperately need. See, it is in those moments that we have a choice on who we open up to. We either open up to the enemy... Or we open up to Him, to our Savior, to our King, to the Holy Spirit, to His Word, to His oath that He gave. We have this choice. How do we fight that? It comes down to two things. Too, I say simple. Sometimes it's not so Simple. Two things on how we fight discouragement. Number one, we have to learn to identify the source of both our discouragement and our encouragement. We have to realize that this root of discouragement that we're facing is actually a spiritual warfare. We're all in a battle, we're all in spiritual warfare. As long as you walk in this earth, as long as you walk in, on the, in this clay vessel, as long as you are here, you are in a moment of, at any given time where spiritual warfare can break out. That's just the reality of it. We are the middle ground between good and bad, if you will. And it is all the time fighting. It's all the time something. Now we have a promise Especially if we lean on the source of our encouragement, we have a promise. That one day we will be like the Apostle Paul that can say, I've fought my good fight. It's not just any crazy fight. I'm fighting a good fight. I'm fighting for a good reason. I'm fighting a fight of faith. And one day, every single time I ever fought... Every single time I ever cried out, every single time that even though I was confused and I still looked up to the Lord and said, help me, every time that I still stood in faith, every time I still kept serving, every time I kept worshiping and praising, every time I'd go to the Word again and again, every time, every seed that was sown, I'll get a harvest one day. Identifying the source, realizing that in this battle, in this warfare, there's someone sowing some tares. Y'all ever heard of the story of the parable of the tares being sown? And When the disciples were like, hey, we sowed good seed, and some crazy person came in and sowed bad seed. What do we do? Just start ripping stuff up? Jesus says, no, let me handle it. You focus on being mine, you focus on growing, you focus on developing, you just focus on being who I've called you to be, and then at a certain point, at a certain time, I will handle it all. And see, this is where we have to be very careful, because sometimes, and I'm just as guilty as anybody, if not more so, because I'm supposed to know better, Where sometimes I pray and I'm like, God, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. God, please let this happen. God, I'm expecting this to happen. And sometimes when I do all of that and then it doesn't happen, I'm like, whoa. What happened? Y'all are quiet. Are y'all okay? Y'all are scaring me. It happens. It happens. And I'm like, what? What, what? what? Why? What's the deal? And then I realize God's let me know that I'm authorized. I'm not entitled. I have the authority to take whatever situation I face and rise above that, because I serve a risen Savior that sits above any. Chain, any barrier, any wall, any circumstance, any shortcoming, any downfall, any sin, anything, any struggle, any stress. I have a Savior that's above that. And I have the authority to rise above that. But I'm not entitled to not ever have to face it. And sometimes when I face those things anyways, I pout like a little kid who doesn't get his way. And God reminds me, who did you pray to? Who are you sowing your seed of faith into? A fairy godmother? Or one who knows your truth and knows your reality, but one who can create a greater reality? And that way even when we face the worst thing we think we could face, death maybe in some cases, God says it's okay because I've got victory over that too. It's okay to face death and say, where is your sting? Because I'm going to give you victory over that. So you have a... When you're in that that moment of discouragement, you have a choice. And you don't have to eat what the enemy is serving. Danny said he don't like vegetables. Me either. Unless you deep fry them. And the enemy wants to serve you all kinds of junk. You know what? You don't have to eat it. You don't. Oh, you listen, you can be invited to the pity party, but you don't have to show up. You don't have to go. But I like throwing a pity party. And we say that because we think it's going to get us some attention from somewhere. We don't have to go. Psalms chapter 1 says it this way. You don't have to sit in the seat of the scornful. You don't have to stand in the path of sinners. or You don't have to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't have to. But you can choose to walk with me. In such a way that I will promise you, Joshua, every place the sole of your foot treads, I will give you. Because I'm walking with you. So number one, we got to learn to identify the source and realize that, that God is not the God that's trying to discourage you. Now, sometimes God will allow you to go through some stuff to expose some things that He was working on. But that is where we take the promise. There is therefore now no condemnation. Well, he's exposed these things not to condemn you, but to get that junk out of your life. So that chain is broken. And that whenever you cross over, you can honestly cross over with faith. The second part of that is that you gotta learn to cultivate the courage. Unfortunately, discouragement cannot just be wished away. I don't know too many people who get up in the morning and go, Lord, I pray today that I face all kinds of discouragement. We can't just wish that away. We can't just wish away. Just as you can't wish away discouragement, you can't wish encouragement into existence. It has to be cultivated. To encourage means something poured into you. And that's why God could tell Joshua multiple times, "Hey, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Walk with me. Be encouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Why? Because Joshua was learning to walk with God. What do I mean by that is this. We love this passage of Scripture, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah. It says, they that wait. Y'all know how, because you've quoted a few times, right? You've said it, you've heard it. They that wait upon the Lord. They will be the ones that have their strength renewed, right? They will be the ones that can run and walk and not faint and not grow weary. They're the ones that's going to make it. Why? Because they've learned to wait upon the Lord. Not just wait in any old way or any old fashion, but learn to wait upon the Lord. They've learned that even in times of discouragement, I may not be able to go very far, but whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it with You, Lord. Whatever you need me to do, here I am. Whether I totally get it or I totally don't, here I am. Whether I'm encouraged or whether I'm discouraged, here I am. Whether I go through or I want to get out, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Encouraged. Even in the midst of it. What Psalm, I want you to just listen I don't have it on the screen because I want you to just listen and I'm going to wrap it up here. Psalm 42 is a very real psalm. When I begin this psalm, you're going to be like, oh, that's a worship psalm. Right? I, I, I could quote the beginning of it and you're like, oh, that's a good one. And it says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you And that sounds like a beautiful beginning to a beautiful worship. It's basically saying, I am thirsty for you. I long for you. I want you. I need you. I come to you. It's as beautiful as it is. Now I want you to listen to the setting. Listen to the setting. Psalm 42, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before You? For day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of Yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of the Lord, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? And why is my heart so sad? For I will put my hope in God and I will praise Him again. He is my Savior and He is my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember You. I hear a raging sea and I see waves surging and tides wanting to sweep over me, but each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life, Oh God, You are my rock. I cry. Even in moments when I cry, why have You forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief and feel the oppression of the enemies? It even feels like their taunts would break me on the inside. And they claim, where is this God of Yours? Why am I discouraged? And why is my heart so sad? And that sounds like Great, that psalmist was like depressed until he says the last line. I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again. He is my Savior and my God. Aren't you glad He has the final say? He has the last word. But what you must learn to do is bear the cross of your attitude and your character and just remain faithfully His. And He will take care of the rest. God gave Joshua the promise. He says, listen, you faced a defeat. That defeat exposed a sin I want to take care of. Once that sin was taken care of, the victory came. Not only did the victory come, but in this victory, they were able to keep all of the spoils of that victory. Which means every discouragement that you go through, God never wastes one of them. That you learn that He has a place for you, a place for you to walk. I close with this last story. If you've ever heard of Joni Erickson Tada, it's a lady who was paralyzed at the prime of her life. She was a strong, well-bodied, beautiful lady that right at the end of high school, was just about to go to college, dove off, into the ocean, I believe it was the ocean, into what was a lot more shallow than she realized and broke her neck and became paralyzed. And she says, please know that when I take up my cross every day, I'm not talking about my wheelchair. My wheelchair is not my cross to bear. Neither is your cane or your walker. Your cross to bear. Neither is your dead end job or your crazy in laws. Your cross to bear is not your migraine headaches, nor a, an infection or a disease. It's not a stiff joint or a hard to get up in the morning. That's not your cross to bear. My cross is not my wheelchair, it's my attitude. Your cross is your attitude about whatever it is you face, whether it's a dead-end job or a struggle in life. It is your attitude. Even in the midst of aches and pains, any complaints and grumblings, any disputings or murmurings, any anxieties or worries, any resentments or anything that hints of a raging torrent, any bitterness, these are the things that God calls me to die to daily. And for when I do, I not only become like Him in His death, but I also learn to walk in the power of His resurrection. You hear that? A lady in a wheelchair saying, I learned to walk in the power of His resurrection. As He puts to death all of those discouragements, I become like Him in this life now. And I get to experience an intimate fellowship of sharing in sufferings for the reason of finding sweetness in the preciousness of my Savior. And I become holy as He is holy. And He makes me full of gladness even in the presence of my sufferings. Just as all of those people I mentioned earlier went through discouraging times, Elijah got alone with God. David learned to encourage himself in the Lord. Joshua got to see this second victory once the sin was exposed and dealt with. Nehemiah put down the sword and the brick for a moment and threw a party and said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Mary showed up at the tomb to serve Jesus anyway. And got to be the first one to see the resurrected Savior. Paul and Silas sang songs of praise at midnight. And got to see not just freedom, but salvation. John learned to get into the Spirit, even on an exiled island on the Lord's Day. And saw the greatest revelation the church has ever known. And Job remained faithful. Until God blessed him more than he could completely even hold in his storehouses. And Jesus walked through every bit of discouragement. Holding the key to every one of your discouragements. And saying, I know how to unlock every single Promise. Would you stand with me? Yeah, just certainly. Yeah. Debbie is not feeling too well today. We also have uh, lots of families who are facing discouragement. There's been lots of death going around, lots of sin going around, struggles going around, sickness going around. All kinds of stuff is happening for sure. So let's all pray, would you? Pray for Debbie. Pray for one another. Pray for the Rhodes family. They've lost two, two family members this last couple of weeks. Pray for those that are sick. Let's pray. But as we pray, let's pray in a way that we realize that God knows how to face everything that we're, that we're dealing with, with victory. Father God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you. Not just because it's something that we are supposed to do, but we thank You because we realize that this is spiritual warfare. And when we praise You and when we worship You, we are putting together weapons that will tear down strongholds. We are using weapons that will tear down anything that would exalt itself against You or Your kingdom. And so, Lord... In the midst of all of this discouragement, we praise You and we worship You and we ask You by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of Your Holy Spirit to move and to heal, and to touch, and to bring peace wherever it is needed. We pray for Debbie who certainly needs a touch in her body. We pray for the families that have lost loved ones. We pray for all of those that are battling discouragement. We pray, Lord, for those. We seek Your face, and in the midst of what the psalmist said, in the midst of all of these taunting and trying times, we will not forget You. We will praise you again. And we will trust in our God and our Savior, asking you, Lord, to move with might and with power. It's in Jesus' name
0: we pray. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor John. And we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.